I think that I may have to have a battery change in my uh, mic this morning during our time. If not, we're going we're gonna to plow forward, but um, when lights stay on red, that tells me that something's maybe not quite there. I pray that you've had a great Christmas holidays. How many of you enjoyed the, the holidays? Two, three of you. No, most of you. That's good. Uh, it's, a, it's, a been, it's good to be with family, and I pray it has been good for you. Uh, it's good for us to eat more than we should. I pray that's been good for you. Um, it's a day today like no other. It's been 10 years or more. It's, it was 2006 when December 31 was last on a Sunday. It's a unique day, isn't it? And it won't happen again until 2023. Because of leap year and all the math, I don't understand it all. I just looked online and found that, okay? Um, I'm not that brilliant. But it is a special day today. Because when the clock hits midnight tonight and makes the next, next click, we're no longer in 2017, are we? No, we're in 2018. So this morning, we want to use like the, the driving kind of analogy uh, in the car as an analogy for us. Looking in the rear view mirror behind, what are some things that we would look at looking back over behind us in 2017? What are some things that would define us right here? And I, we would call that not rear view, but real view. What does that look like right here and now? And what does it look like for us as we look forward? I believe that in the cars we drive, there's a reason why the windshield is quite a bit larger than the rear view mirror, by the way. I think that's kind of a ratio for life. If we, live, if we live life looking through the mirror as big as your windshield, we would not see much going forward. I think God wants us to acknowledge and continue to look back, see where we've been, but wants us to spend most of our time looking through the windshield going forward. Uh, today our text is from Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 to 14. Ten verses that Paul writes. And Paul's not writing from a nice warm office. He's writing from a jail cell. And he writes incredible words. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure. I couldn't write these kind of words, encouraging words, if I was trapped in a jail cell. I'm not sure I'd have it in me. But keep that in mind as we uh, find our way uh, in this text. In the Red Bibles, it's page 1074, I believe, is the page number where we are today. Uh, As we begin, let's invite the Holy Spirit to be with us. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the privilege of having lived in these last 364 days. And God, we thank you and we look forward with you in the next 365 uncharted days, God, that no person on the planet has yet experienced that you're putting in front of us. May we hear from you, Holy Spirit. May I and we be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Rear view is looking behind us. Uh, and Paul does that and he offers us these words in the first few verses, verses 4 through 6 of Philippians 3. And he's talking here, now a little context. He's talking about remember who you are and remember that you're not supposed to brag about things. But then he says this. 
If others think they have reasons to have confidence in the flesh, translated to brag, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, of Hebrew of the Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, and for zeal and passion, I persecuted the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I'm faultless. Man, this is a whole list of things about himself that he thought, that in first glance, it's like, yeah, he's kind of blowing up his own balloon, isn't he? But he's actually doing the opposite of that. Showing that all his human achievements, all his credentials and qualifications, really don't matter. His upbringing, his nationality, his family background, his inheritance, his activity, his morality. If there were rewards given for Jew of the year and the strict Jew group called the Pharisee of the year, Paul would be in the running for that when we hear these kinds of things. When you and I drive, and you will when you leave here, most of us, when we crawl in our cars, um, you'll check looking in the rearview mirror, won't you? Because there might be somebody driving past in the parking lot. And um, when, we look in, when we look in the rear view, what's it, why, do, why do we look in the rear view? Well, sometimes it's to see where we've been. It's to see if what's around us so that we can change lanes. And sometimes it's to see maybe what's coming, what's approaching us. Today, as we look in, as we close the door on 2017, as we look back in rear view, what is it that you see personally that you would celebrate in 2017? I would encourage you to take the outline out of your bulletin and write down a couple things. Here are two, two things, Howard, or three things, and share it with people today that you're with. Here are two or three things that I celebrate. I celebrate this in 2017. Personally, I celebrate accomplishments in the business, in my workplace, in family. I celebrate um, new additions to family, children and grandchildren. Celebrate deep friendships. I celebrate my relationship with God. Are those some things that you might celebrate and I celebrate? I hope so. But we can't celebrate with also talking about we also lament some things, don't we? What are the things that you wish there were do-overs on in 2017. If you jot down two things that you celebrate, jot down one thing that you lament over. Um, it's okay. The Bible's full of celebrations and laments. It's part of the human experience. So it's okay for us to talk about those. I lament the passing of my mother-in-law. And some of you would say, really? Mother-in-laws? Kathy's mother was a person like no other Never saw or heard her angry. Never heard her say a cross word. Always had a kind word. Even when there were conversations in maybe a negative way about people, she would say something like in a quiet way, I bet they have good traits too. Why lament that? She's no longer with us. Hmm. So as a community of faith here at Journey, um, what do we celebrate as we look in the rearview mirror? Well, we celebrate that we began the year in 2017 with a new vision statement that we're going to replicate Jesus. We're going to continue to be like Jesus and be disciples who make disciples. That means that you and I are going to continue to take steps forward in our relationship with Christ. And we're also going to do that in the context of community and bring others along with us. And so we might say, well, how's that gone for us, for you and for me? 
But as a church, we celebrate that kind of vision. And we think it's important. It was important. It's important in 2017. It's important for us going forward. We also celebrate 10 JMCers who completed a six-month Forge missionary residency. It's like, well, how, where was it? It was in their own neighborhoods. Yeah. Those of you that uh, have been a part of that, we need to hear more from you. We need to hear how you were impacted and how we can learn better to engage in the neighborhoods where we live. Um, we had 47 people who joined the Journey, uh, Journey Mennonite Church across all of our campuses through baptisms and membership transfers. We, had, we have two new faces in our central office, uh, Kim Nisley and Mark Nisley. And we celebrate that. We celebrate uh, a new ministry that God called Journey into in 2017 called Revive. Coaching churches and leaders forward. And there's eight churches, some in New York, some in, Ohio, in Iowa, and one in Kansas right now that will be finishing in about two or three months a year-long coaching. Why is the coaching? Folks, there are a lot of churches today that are struggling. And, uh, but it's coaching toward understanding what God's mission is for that's in the context of where that church might be planted, whether it is in New York, uh, where the snow's probably this deep, or whether it's in Iowa, or whether it's in Kansas. We celebrate those folks. <clears throat> One of the things that I think is important for you all to hear this morning is that most every week when we share announcements and things, uh, from all of our campuses, we share, we share a story from the journey. What is that? It's a story of life on life, people engaging with people in the places, and we call it three places out there, where we live, work, and play. Being real with people, loving people where they are, being available to people. And over the last year, we have shared probably 50 of those over the last 52 weeks, and because maybe there was a week or two that we have missed. We're not necessarily sharing one this morning. But what you need to know, um, as, we, as we as a staff team meet on Tuesdays, and we gather the stories from all three campuses, do you know that I had Kim Nisley go back and look at the tally of the number of stories from the journey that came to our staff team on Tuesdays in the last 12 months? It's over 200. We celebrate, and God celebrates, that we, folks from Journey, believe that we're called to step in to life with other people. And guess what? When we step in to life with other people, it's not always, always clean. It gets messy sometimes. Because sometimes I'm messy too. That's just kind of how it is. But we celebrate that. We celebrate the three-year night initiative. We wouldn't have a campus, a 24-7 presence in McPherson if we wouldn't have had this Ignite initiative. We now have a lower level kid space at Journey Camp, at Journey at Yoder that's as welcoming as any you could, you could have. We have new space for kids ministries here at South Hutch Campus that has been a long uh, coming and that's been really important for the kids ministry to spread out and thank you for you parents who are bringing kids and for you who are serving in that ministry with Pastor Sherry. We celebrate those things. We also lament some things. We lament broken relationships. We lament broken relationships from person to person. Broken relationships in family. Broken relationships in, in, our, in the places where we 
where we might live, work, and play. We, we lament extended health challenges and those who have lost family members over the past year. We were a part of 14 memorial services uh, in 2017. Most of those were, many of those were from Journey folks, but uh, also some from extended family and also from community folks. So why do I share this? It's not to pat ourselves on the back. No, it's not. It's for us to look back and to realize together how good God has been. Paul now, as he shares back behind him and shares kind of who he had once been, that I was born this person and I was this and I was that. I was, a, I was born uh, uh, to a legitimate bloodline Jew of the strictest group called the Pharisees of the tribe of a uh, the elite tribe of Benjamin. I was a defender of the faith. Matter of fact, I persecuted Christ followers. I didn't believe in that movement. That's who I was. And guess what? And then when he, we think, well, okay, now what? But he lists all his credentials in verse 6. And if you have your Bible open, look at verse 7. He starts verse 7 with a word, but. And, and but takes us toward the word but in that first verse. He says, but whoever, whatever were gains for me, I now. And that now is real view. What is the real view in front of Paul right in the setting right now? And what is our real view around us right here? What is our current reality right where we set, stand, and live today? He says, but the things I once thought were important, whatever were gains for me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything loss because of the surpassing Worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I could gain Christ and be found in Him, not to have any righteousness or goodness of my own that comes from the law, because I I followed all the Jewish laws, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I, he says, I want to be, I want to know Christ. Yes, and know the power of his resurrection. And to participate in Christ's suffering. Well, he was writing this from a jail cell. That kind of fits for suffering, doesn't it? He's not free. He probably has no heat there. And to be like him in death. And so somehow attain to the resurrection of the dead. Um, After Paul had looked and talked about all the things that he once counted that were important. All his credentials, all his accomplishments, all of his qualifications. He says, but now when I look at those in rear view and look at them in the real view now, they were worthless. And the only thing that's important, and he goes at it in several ways, is knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Is, is to gain Christ. Is to gain that through faith. To gain Christ through my faith in God through Christ. To, to know Christ. And to know the power of his resurrection. Paul says that's the most important thing. This is what he would call real. In looking in rear view. He could talk in rear view about what he was before Christ. And now he's talking about real view of what he is in Christ in the present. When we crawl into our cars, uh, and you'll do that after service today, after worship today. When you crawl into your car, um, it's kind of like you look at the real view around you. 
you're in a parking spot. You crawl in, and the person beside you will jump in and say, is it warm yet in here? Turn the heat up. That's what they're going to say today. Um, but you look, you, you, you hit the ignition, and you begin to look in the mirrors and uh, look at things um, that there might be a little something that comes on in your mirror next to you. It says, oh, there's somebody close to us. A little light might come on. Or you look in the rearview mirror to back up. Those are some things that you'll do that are in, those are real view things right here and right now. When you leave here today, physically, well, when we think about um, the things, the, the, no, the idea that Paul talked about, there's nothing more important for him than knowing Christ, living for Christ, putting his faith in Christ. Hmm. And to know his power and to be willing to suffer for him. And Paul did, gave it all up of his previous life. All his, all his accomplishments when he looked back, he said, I counted them all loss. So when you and I look back over 2017 and count the things that have been good for us and things we've accomplished, how would you describe yourself in real time, in real view, right here, right now? How would you describe your relationship with God personally? How would you describe that? You might say, well, Howard, mine is vibrant. Thank you. Thank God. You might say, well, Howard, mine is so-so. Howard, I'm not sure where mine is. Either of any of those spots, this is a good place for you this morning. And as Paul said, and as we just read, I count everything that I can touch, taste, and feel, put my hands on because of my credentials and qualifications and things that I've and accomplishments, they're all really nothing when it compares to knowing Christ and living Christ and being Christ in my life. And in, in Paul giving his life this way, God gave him a purpose. When we give our lives to Christ and open it up and say, God, it's all of my life is open to you. There's not a person in here that God doesn't have a, a purpose for. And each of our purposes will be different and unique based on our personality, our wiring patterns, and our experiences and our gifts. All of us have worth in God's eyes in, in the real view in the now. I pray that is encouraging for you. Paul was vocal about his faith. Um. Do you and I personally, and do we as a community uh, of faith in Jesus, can we say with Paul, whatever I put my faith in in the past, in rear view, my trophies, my accomplishments, the letters behind, the alphabet behind my name, I consider them worthless as compared to knowing Jesus Christ and reaching out and holding on to his hand and letting him hold our heart. It's kind of that visual for me, reaching out and holding on to the hand of Jesus and saying, you know, I can, <laughs> I do, I like doing life my way. And Jesus is going to say, just keep doing it as long as you can. But when you get to the end, hold my hand. 
I'll hold your heart. How's it going for you in the real view of your life in Christ right here, right now? Wow. The real view as we drive is what's going on around us. But when we get in the car and leave the parking lot today, you will not spend... If you just look in the rearview mirror all the way from Marshall to Tom and Dan's, you'll probably end up in somebody's yard. Don't do that. Okay? Because you have a big windshield in front of you. Why? Because it's to look forward in. It's important to look back. It's important to look in the present, in real life, in in the real view here and now. But it's even more important where we set today in this last day of 2017 that tomorrow we begin a 365-day track into uncharted days, experiences, life. And we can do it our way or we can look forward into that windshield that's in front of us and we can do it God's way. And Listen to Paul's words as he talks about forward in God's direction. After he's talked about his accomplishments and he said there's nothing that's important about those compared to knowing Christ and being in Christ. He says this, and he, makes, he, he continues to just say, uh, I, I don't have it all together. This is kind of how he starts. Not that I've already obtained all this or have arrived at the goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. I take hold of Jesus. I would, and for my visual, it's like I take hold of Jesus' hand and let him take hold of my heart. Verse 13. And he says it again, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But then the next sentence, but one thing I do. And then he says several things. Forgetting what is behind and strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul moves from kind of gains and losses, some accounting language to athletic language. And he said, I don't have, I don't have this all together. I haven't reached the goal yet, but I'm pressing on and I'm going to go hard for the sake of Christ because how Jesus has so wonderfully reached out to me and taken all the stuff of my life when I've offered it to him and said, all the things that are in your rearview mirror, when we offer them to Christ, the windshield becomes clear again. We don't see them anymore. Paul believed and lived in this holy dissatisfaction, I would call it. The idea that he was always in this text, in these, in these last three verses, I haven't arrived, but I... Th- Here's what I'm going to go after. Now, just recognize whatever I say. I don't have it all put together. No, because you know what? For real, if, if we were remembered for the things of the past, Paul was an accomplice to a murder. Did you know that? He held the clothes while Stephen, a Christ follower, was being stoned. So if the things of the past were going to trap somebody, they would have for Paul. And God would have never been able to use him. We sometimes, and some of us sometimes are still, we're going forward, but it's hard because we're still looking in the rearview mirror and carrying the things behind us. 
Paul says one thing. I'm going to forget what's behind and I'm going to go forward. I'm going to forget about who I was. I want to walk forward in who God wants me to be. Folks, that's a prayer that I would pray for all of us, and I hope it's a prayer that you can pray uh, for you and yourself and others around, uh, around us. Just one thing, he says, just one thing. That language, just one thing, one thing shows up in other texts. It shows up in Mark ten twenty one, where Jesus had, had a rich guy, a rich young business guy come to him. And he said, so Jesus, what do I need to do to kind of come and follow you? Jesus said, really? You want to really follow me? He goes, yeah. I've, been, I've grown up in the church. I've done all the deal. And Jesus looked at him and looked right into his eyes, into his heart. And he said, just one more thing. Go sell what you have and give it to the poor. And he walked away and he couldn't do it. There's another time when the phrase shows up where like, just one thing, one thing, this word, the two words, one thing. There's a guy who was born blind, and he met Jesus, and Jesus healed him. He went to the worship center because there was kind of the medical part of life for people in the day, and you had to be authenticated that you were healthy enough because if you're blind, you weren't healthy, you could not come to the worship center. And he went there, and he's talking to the people who were in charge of the worship center in the day, and they said, so who healed you? Are you sure you're healed? And I asked him a thousand questions, and he finally says, I just know one thing. I was blind, but now I see. You know what? I can be blinded, and Paul could be blinded, and he was for some time blinded by the past. He persecuted Christ followers because he didn't know enough to realize that the Jesus movement was God-ordained. The Jewish community doesn't even know that yet today. They still don't believe in Jesus the Messiah. And so he, when he realized and had this experience with Jesus... He suddenly realized and reoriented his, his rear view life and his real time into a forward look for the purposes of God to plant, them, to plant churches in places that no one else would and could and spent much of the rest of his life uh, for the sake of the good news of Jesus in the prison, in the cell, because he shared faith and nobody liked that. What is the one thing that God wants you and I to concentrate on in the year ahead? What is that one thing? Well, for sure, when Paul says, forget the past, move forward, I don't think we, uh, the Bible means that we no longer will, I think the Bible means we'll no longer be influenced and affected by the past. I'm not sure that we can ever forget in our finite, finite minds, forget the past, but they no longer hold us and we break Satan's power of the past by living in the present and in the future. We can't change the past. We can't change the meaning of the past. We acknowledge it and we walk forward and we live forward. What are some things that would be important for, for you personally in the year ahead? If you're going to write down some things for you as a person of God who wants to continue to follow Jesus, what would be one thing? Jot that down in your notes today, in your outline. What's, this is the one thing. 
Not a whole bunch of things. Our world wants us to be cluttered with things. Just pick up your little glowing rectangle, your iPhone, and snap and push the on button. There's more things on that than you can accomplish in a lifetime. And it's coming at us faster. And do you think that it's going to come any less in 2018? No, it's going to come at us. It's going to clutter our minds. We won't know one thing from the other because so much stuff's coming, overcrowded schedules, overcommitted lives. What is the one thing? That you, as a follower of Jesus, believe that you're called to, to take a step forward. As you look in the windshield going forward, what does that look like? What are some of the things that we dream about for our, for our neighborhood and for the coming days ahead of us? Starting next Sunday, by the way, is a five-week series, and it's called BELLS, B-E-L-L-S. It's an acronym. It's bless, eat, listen, learn, serve. We're going to have a week on each of those. I want you all to come back and be here for all of those weeks. How can we bless people? How do we look at how Jesus lived life and, and eat with people? He he'd had his great, most incredible times with people at mealtimes. How do we listen well to each other, to the voice of God? How do we learn? what Jesus is really about, and maybe deeper steps going forward, and how do we serve. I think those are important things. I encourage you to come be part of that. Um, Things that I think are important for us, um, perhaps also as we pray that as we grow as followers of Jesus, we will be able to look around us and see opportunities in our communities. And I encourage you, where you live, work, and play. Where are places in the neighborhood that, the, that we, God's people, can step in with the neighborhood and create community? Because I think, um, <clears throat> I, think it takes all of, I think it takes all people in a community to build a strong community. Not just the church people over here and the community folks over here. We're all community folks. Yeah, I think that's important. I believe that in the next year that um, Journey has an opportunity. We're going to be hosting a conference here in July for 20 or 30 churches. And I believe it's an opportunity for God to do what only God can do and want you to pray toward that. I believe that we're called in the next year to look at how we use technology to engage the culture. The church has always kind of pulled away and said, ah, the technology thing is going to get us in trouble. It's here and it's here to stay. So some of you younger people who know how to find your ways in technology better than some of the rest of us, how can we leverage what culture is using for the sake and the mission of God? How can we do that? Instead of throwing it away, say, how can we use that? Paul says, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God is calling me heavenward. What is your goal for 2018? What are you pressing into? I invite you to write something down today. Talk with people you're with today. Sit with yourself and write down one thing that I want to take a step toward or in in my relationship with God. Or we can live life uh, looking in the windshield and uh, carry the things from the past or in the stuff of clutter of the day and it might look like a picture of a windshield 
that's coming up. Hmm. Not too clear, is it? We wish it had rain on it right now, actually. But it doesn't. But sometimes the windshield that we look, is the windshield that you look through into the new year, does it look clear? Or does it look cluttered? It can have all the bug specks on it from summer. Or it can have a torrential rain on it. But when it looks clear, I believe it's then. I think it's when we acknowledge what's behind us in rear view and, and offer, that, offer that up to God and say, God, I don't want to be defined by what's behind me. I, I want to be defined in the present, in real view, in knowing you, living for you, and loving others in that way. Give us clarity, God, in how we do that. God, thank you for our time together. Thank you for your presence. God, give us clear view in looking forward into the new year. Thank you for what you have done over the past year. All the things that you have done, more than we could ask or imagine. We are grateful for that. And we look forward with anticipation in the year ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.